Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for the opportunity to be here today, and we're just pleading, Heavenly Father, we're just pleading for your spirit to be here this morning, and I just plead that you would speak through me, Father, that you would show me what to share this morning, maybe what not to share, but that all that I share would glorify and honor you. And Father, that you would grow our faith. How desperately, Father, we need greater faith in you, not in ourselves, not in what we can do, but alone in you, Father. Please help us, we pray. Thank you for sending your spirit in your precious name. Amen. Um, the topic I'm covering today, growing above and beyond faith, even when God seems silent. Um, and I'm going to tell you more about this. Before I do, I wanted to share just a little bit more um, just resources to help you in your personal walk with God. Now, at the beginning of the week, you may have already gotten one of our Revival and Reformation bookmarks. And that has the website, which is right here. But if you didn't get a bookmark, they'll be out there on the table. This is basically um, what I work with with the General Conference is the Revival and Reformation Ministries. And I'm responsible for, for coordinating resources, collecting resources, writing resources to just grow our walk with God. And so I want to share um, this website. We have hundreds of resources up here on this website to, to grow your prayer life and, and to help you know how to lead small Bible study groups and um, many different things, witnessing, and I have testimonies from around the world, just many, many resources, and I have uh, some beautiful resources I'm not going to have time really to talk a lot about here, but there's one called The Beauty of Humility and Clearing the Way for the Holy Spirit to Work. Are we concerned about, you know, preparing? These are types of resources uh, that people are downloading, and they're all there. And I, you know, I found a lot of people still aren't familiar with these things that are offered. So I just want to really encourage you uh, to visit the Revival and Reformation website and access. And, and you can look, look up multiple authors. You can look up multiple types of resources. Uh, we have audio, video, all these different things. A couple other things that I want to share that have really helped me um, in growing faith. Of course, this book he has out on the table, Lessons on Faith by A.T. Jones and Wagner. And I love this book. I have a, an older covered copy of the book that's all marked up. And if you don't have the book, I want to encourage you to read it because this is just really inspirational. And how do we really grow faith if we're not in the Word, right? Yeah. Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So here's a couple of resources. Um, first off, this book, Longing for God, is by Dr. Frank Hausel. And I followed this a Bible reading plan to help you read through the entire Bible in a year. And he also has 12 chapters in here talking about prayer and how we can grow a spirit of gratitude and praise and praying for people and praying scripture. Uh, so there's a lot of beautiful resources in this book. It's available in the ABC. I did see a few copies over there. Not a lot, but you might want to check that out. But this is just um, basically a, a Bible prayer journal, a place for you to read and just write down things that you're learning. It's not overwhelming. You know, some journals you read, and they'll be so long, and you're like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to fill up all that space. Well, this is it kind of has the reverse. Longing for God. Frank Hazel. It's kind of hard to read on the screen, isn't it? 
H-A-S-E-L. Have you heard of the book A Thousand Shall Fall? Yeah, powerful testimony. This is the grandson of that story, A Thousand Shall Fall. Okay, this book is a new one that has just come out called As Light Lingers by Nina Acheson. And Nina used to live in the Bering Springs area, so maybe some of you know her, I don't know. But this book is such a powerful book, not only to inspire you and help you get into the word more, but she has children, she has young children, and she's teaching us in the book how to involve your children in reading the Word of God. And she actually has these pop cards which have these Bible questions to teach you how, how, to, how to engage your children in, um, in Bible study, like teaching them to have their devotions, teaching them to get into the Word of God. So whether you have children or not, this is really inspirational. I have mine all highlighted and marked up. But it's also an excellent resource for parents with children. And if you didn't get a copy of this, I brought a box of them, so I still have extra to spare. So afterwards, you can um, get a copy from me. And those with the bookmark that I passed out this morning, if there is a Bible verse written on the back of your bookmark, that means I'm going to give away eight more copies of Daring to Ask this morning. And maybe you've already received a Daring to Ask, and if so, maybe you can give it to... Maybe you can give it to somebody who has not received it, because I've already passed them out several times. So, oh yeah, one, one last resource. People are asking, you know, sometimes contact or how to keep in touch with me. Uh, you can write me at daringtoaskformore at gmail. But I will just say, and I, I hate to say this, I, I get a lot of messages from people. And I can't necessarily respond to everybody. And I get a lot of prayer requests from people. And I can't respond to everybody. And this is what I tell people, you know, I'll pray for your request right now when you bring it to me. But I'm a feeble human just like you. And I can't necessarily carry the prayer burdens of everybody. I can't. I'm only me, you know. Um, and, and so, and what I mean is for the long haul, because you want me to pray for your brother or your child or whatever until we see answers. But I can't take on all those prayer uh, burdens. I, I just receive so many. I pray, I mean, certain people that I meet at conferences and stuff, I'll be convicted to continue to pray about something that they brought up. And when the Lord convicts me to do that, I'm definitely doing that. But I can't promise that I do that for everybody. I just can't. But um, I am trying to share in ways that can continue to help people. And I have an Instagram account. It's a personal account. It's not official ministry account. So keep that in mind. I share personal things there about my life and all of that. But I also do a lot of um, question and answers, Q&As um, on topics of prayer or ministry or, um, you know, different, different topics. And I have some really fun Q&As here. I even have a short Q&A by Pavel Goya um, that he, he shared a little testimony that's really inspirational. So for those of you that might want to keep up and learn more, see more, feel free to follow me there. And my handle is Melodious Echo. Instagram is where I love to hang out. I'm also on Facebook, but I use Instagram. So, okay, now that that little promotional's over, we're not gonna have time at the end. I, I'm going to get into the topic for today, which is growing above and beyond faith, even when God seems silent. Now, I am a proud auntie of two little girls. Um, they're a little bit older than these pictures show them now. 
But one is Darlene Rose and one is Perpetua Faith. And these are very unique names. And let me share why they were named these names. I don't know if you've ever heard of the book Evidence is Not Seen, Darlene Dibbler Rose. She was a prisoner of war in the Japanese prisoner of war camps and back during World War II. And just incredible faith. First of all, how God spared her life. She almost was killed. Um, but just how she stood strong and she held on to scripture. And it's, it's a strengthening book to read. There's some parts that are a little difficult, but it's just very encouraging to your faith. And so this is what one of my sister's um, nieces was named after because our family has always been, and my parents as well, we want to cultivate faith. We want to grow faith to be able to stand. And we know a crisis is coming. We know a greater crisis comes ahead. And we want to be prepared to stand. Uh, the other little girl is named after Vibia Perpetua. She was born in um, 182 AD. And she was one of the first early Christian um, martyrs. Vibia came from a royal family. Um, and somebody started studying the Bible with her. And she accepted Christ. And she's preparing for baptism, something like this. And she was arrested and, and taken in. And she had a nursing infant, just a few months old. And her family just pleaded with her, please, for the sake of your family and your child, renounce this, whatever. Or, or just all you have to do is offer a little incense to Caesar. That's basically all you have to do is offer a little incense to Caesar and everything will be okay. And um, her picture we, ha we have in the the. I don't know if it's Arthur Maxwell. Anyway, there's bedtime stories, something for children. And there's a picture of a woman in front of an altar, and she's in a white robe, and she will not offer incense to, to Caesar. And this is in one of our storybooks, and this is the woman. And so as a result of that, she was taken to the lions. And she, it was like she was actually going to her wedding. She was so happy that she could actually give her life for Christ. And as she was killed, she said to those that were witnessing that she could not even feel the pain. God took that away from her. He gave her strength to the final end. So we read stories like this, and Heavenly Man is another book that's been a huge inspiration to me. We read stories like this, and I don't know about you, but I'm just encouraged, and I'm like, Lord, I want to have faith like that. I don't know what's coming ahead, but we're told, you know, a time of trouble and struggle greater than we've ever seen. I want to have that type of faith. In the book Great Controversy, we're told there's a season of distress and anguish before us which will require a faith that can endure weariness, delay, and hunger, a faith that will not faint though severely tried. A period of probation is granted to all to prepare for that time. Jacob prevailed because he was persevering and determined. His victory is an evidence of the power of importunate prayer. All who will lay hold of God's promises as he did and be as earnest and persevering as he was will succeed as he succeeded. Those who are unwilling to deny self, to agonize before God, to pray long and earnestly for his blessing will not obtain it. Wrestling with God, how few know what it is, how few have ever had their souls drawn out after God with intensity of desire until every power is on the stretch. When waves of despair, which no language can express, sweep over the suppliant, how few cling with unyielding faith to the promises of God. 
This is why we need to pray, Lord, please build my faith. But you know, we're told not to, not to worry about the time of trouble that's tomorrow. We need to focus on being faithful today. And how do we know if we're going to be able to stand tomorrow? He says, according to thy days, so shall thy strength be. But if we are faithful today and we are growing in faith in the situations that we're facing today, we can know that we will have strength when the time comes. Now, um, as we find in the Word of God, faith is one of the most emphasized gifts in all of Scripture. We actually see that faith is the gateway to receiving all the other gifts. We see that the, the sick are healed by faith, by grace we're saved by faith, we're justified by faith, we work by faith, we carry the shield of faith. We just see faith is, is just pivotal in all these different aspects of the Christian life and of experiencing victory in our walk with God. The children of Israel had a great test, we know, when they were coming through the wilderness and they came to the edge of Canaan. Um, they sent in 12 spies, right, into the promised land, and these spies came out, and um, two of them came out with a positive report. And we know the names of those two spies, right? They came out and they said, you know, this is a, a good land. Look at the fruit of the land. We are well able to take this land. You know, this is, God's going to give us this land. But unfortunately, the other ten said, no, we can't do this. There's giants in the land. It's too great for us. You know, they're going to eat us all up. And so there was a conflict over the report and what the children of Israel were going to do. And you already, you all already know the story. What happened? They chose to listen to the voices of doubt. And so they said, we're not going to go in. And I think it's very interesting what God did in response. The Lord said, as you've spoken in my ears, so shall I do to you. You don't think you can go into the promised land? You can't. You're not going in. And isn't it interesting that it was at that moment that the children of Israel, you guys might squeeze together a little bit so there's room for a few more people coming in. Isn't it interesting that the children of Israel at that point said, we're going to go into the promised land. You know, and they gathered together and whatever, but they went in without the blessing of the Lord and they suffered a great um, loss as a result. It's so important how we talk and express our faith. So the Lord said, as you've spoken in my ears, so shall I do to you. In their unbelief, Israel actually limited the power of God and distrusted the hand that had brought them thus far. And you know, it's very easy for us to look at what, the, what happened with the children of Israel and think, well, if I had been there, I wouldn't have been part of the doubters, right? I would have believed God and I would have, I would have gone forward. However, we're actually told in patriarchs and prophets, many look back to Israelites and they marvel at their unbelief and murmuring, feeling that they themselves would not have been so ungrateful, but when their faith is tested, even by little trials, they manifest no more faith or patience than did the children of Israel. When brought into straight places, they murmur at the process by which God has chosen to purify them. Though their present needs are supplied, many are unwilling 
to trust God for the future and they're in constant anxiety lest poverty should come upon them and their children be left to suffer. We intellectually know that God is in control, right? We know that he's bigger than the trials that we're facing. We know that he's able to make a way through. But it's a struggle. And it's a struggle for all of us when we can't see what God is doing to trust and to hold on. And this is really where it gets very, very um, crucial in our walk with God to trust the Word of God and not our feelings. Because our feelings are constantly going. And I, I talk about this a lot. The battle over fact, the fact is God's Word. The facts do not change. God's Word does not change. But our feelings constantly change. Here's a quote I want to share with you. It's a little little long, but I just think this is so powerful, talking about the difference between fact and feeling. Fact is what we find in God's Word. Although built upon unseen realities and visible promises, do not, um, it does not waver as it reflects the unchanging nature of God. This actually is not a quote. <laughs> I have another quote coming. This is something I wrote here. Um, and, and it's showing God cannot lie. He will not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's more eager to give us good, good gifts than we are to give good gifts to our children. So when we base our faith on the fact when the storms come, we have a firm foundation, and we're not going to be falling down because we have a firm foundation to weather the storms. However, feeling, on the other hand, is constantly wavering, and it's based you know, on our personal experiences, our unproductive experience, our anxieties, our emotions, unanswered prayers, doubts, and all these different things. And rather than counseling the Word of God, it's, take, it's taking counsel from self and from skeptical friends and unproductive past Christian experience. And so, of course, when we're basing our faith on our feelings, when the storms come, it's just basically like we built our house on the stand, and it's going to fall. So what does faith look like in daily life? Here's the quote that I was talking about. Faith takes God at his word with or without feeling. It is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We can believe our fellow men. Can we not trust the word of God? When we go to him for wisdom or grace, we're not to look to ourselves to see if he's given us a special feeling as an assurance that he's fulfilled his word. Feeling is no criterion. Great evils have resulted when Christians have followed feeling. How do I know that Jesus hears my prayer? I know it by his promise. He says he will hear the needy when they cry unto him. We don't seek him in vain. If we walk in the light, we may come to the throne of grace with holy boldness. We may present the promises of God in living faith and urge our petitions. Although we are weak and erring and unworthy, the Spirit helps our infirmities. When we've offered our petition, we must not abandon it. But hold on as to Jacob when he wrestled with the angel and said, I will not let you go except you bless me. And like him, we will prevail. That comes from Bible Echo. September 24, 1894. So faith versus um, our feelings. I want to talk um, briefly here, four tests of persevering prayer and faith. And by the way, I do have this in much more detail in Daring to Ask, um, but it's really good to spend a little time going over it. Let's um, see where my glasses went. <laughs> Let's turn in our Bibles to Matthew 15, and we're going to look in detail at a story here. 
Matthew 15 will be the, the story of the um, Syrophoenician woman that came to Jesus asking for a miracle. The faith of a Canaanite woman here. Matthew 15, starting in verse 22. So I want us to put us in the place of this woman in this story. And I want you to pretend in your mind that you have a child that's very, very sick, and you have been around to multiple doctors looking for help. And nobody's been able to help you. But you have heard about a man who has healed children with the same disease that your, that your child has. And he's coming somewhere near, whatever, where you are. And so you are desperate to meet him, right? How, how, how earnest would you be to meet this doctor if you knew that he always has success when it comes to these type of cases? You'd be pretty earnest, right? I've tried everything. Nobody can help my daughter. I must have help. And so you are very in earnest to meet this man. So this is the story of Matthew 15, verse 22. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, cried unto Jesus, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. But how does Jesus respond? He answers her not a word. Now, how would you feel? if you were crying after him, and he just basically is ignoring your request. Like, don't you hear me? I'm desperate for you to hear me. Don't you hear? Aren't you paying attention? But what's even worse, verse 23, but he answered her not a word, and his disciples came and besought him, saying, send her away, for she's crying after us. So obviously, this woman is not making any little scene right? She's really crying after him. And he's just going on his way as if he's ignoring her. And the disciples see what's happening. And he's like, well, obviously Jesus doesn't care about this woman. Lord, send her away. She's kind of getting a little annoying. (laughs) How would you feel if you were this woman and you're you're crying after the one person that you know can, can help you? And not only he ignores you, but the disciples are trying to get rid of you. I don't know about you, but I don't really like to make a scene. (laughs) I don't like to make a stir in public. You know, it's hard enough to just get up and and speak when you're supposed to, but when you're not supposed to, that's really odd, you know? I think my tendency would be, if something like that happened, to be like, obviously he's not going to help me. Obviously he doesn't care. What was I thinking? I just need to, you know, kind of shrink away into a corner or a hole or something like that, obviously. But this woman does not do this. And this is what's so amazing. So the next verse says, um, he answered her not a word. The disciples tried to send him away. Okay. Finally, Jesus speaks in verse 24. And he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. (laughs) So think about this and watch. You're this woman. You've been pleading for this miracle. And first he ignores you. Then the disciples are trying to get you to go away. He finally speaks and he says, I didn't come to help you. I came to help them. How would you feel? Terrible. Terrible. Like, I shouldn't even be here. What's that, you know? 
would you hold on and persevere? Listen how this woman responds. Verse 25, then she came and worshiped him, saying, Lord, help me. And I want us to think about this. When it seems like God is saying no to our prayers, when it seems like he's not answering, when it seems like he's ignoring, when it seems like, you know, well, obviously he's helping them. He came to help them, but he didn't come to help me. When it seems like you're the one that's being rejected, is your response worship? Or is your response complaining or griping and, Lord, why? And, you know, and we kind of turn into this victimization mentality. You know, he doesn't care about me. He cares about other people, but not me. And, and all these different things. But she worships him. And I just find that simple thought in this passage alone is so powerful. Will we worship God even when it seems like the answer is no? Okay, continuing on in Matthew chapter 15, we are reading about the faith of the Canaanite woman in verses 21 and on. I am now at verse 26. Jesus speaks again. And he said, it's not meat to take the children's bread and to cast it to the dogs. Do you see what happened here? So not only has Jesus ignored her request initially, the disciples tried to get her to go away. He says, I didn't come to help you. I came to help them. She's still pleading. And then he says, I really shouldn't be giving the children's bread to the dogs. Basically, he's calling her a dog. How insulting. I mean, would we still be there holding on even in this? But I love the woman's response in verse 27. She said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. So basically she's saying, It's true. I'm not worthy of the miracle that I'm asking for. I'm not worthy. And, and you know, sometimes we get in this little... This little thing where we feel like, well, God's answering their prayers because they're worthy or such and such. I'm not worthy, so why would he answer my prayers? That's why he never answers my prayers, because I'm not, you know, and these are lies that the enemy gets us thinking in our mind as we turn into these victims. You know, he doesn't care. He's not answering. He's not working. But the reality is what this woman is speaking is, is true. You know, she says, Basically, I'm not worthy to receive the miracle that I'm asking for. I'm not worthy. But Lord, if you would just give me a crumb from your table, that's all I need. If I could just touch the hem of your garment, that's all I need. I know. I have faith. I believe that you care. I believe that you hear. And um, we know Jesus' countenance, obviously, spoke love to her, even though his words were, you know, going contrary to what it sounds like should be happening. So she's continuing to express faith, even when it looks like he is saying no. Then in verse 28, Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. So Jesus granted her request. 
And, you know, as we look about, as we look at the story and we think about this story, do you think that Jesus really didn't care about her request? No, we know he cared because we know the kind of person he is, right? And Ellen White actually writes about this story and says that he allowed her to go through this test as an example and a witness to us so that we will hold on and we will persevere even when it seems like he doesn't care, even when it seems like he's not answering. But something that's so beautiful about this story that I didn't mention yet, um, and I didn't catch this for a little while. I was already sharing the story and talking about these points, and then I, I saw this. Um, in verse 21, we see Jesus departed from where he was, and he came into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And that's where he met this woman, that she's crying after him, and it seems like she's an annoyance, and she's getting in his way. So he answers her prayer. And what do we see in the very next verse, in verse 29? And Jesus departed from thence and came into the Sea of Galilee. So do you catch the significance of what that means? He went there just for her. Yeah, he went there just for her. It seemed, it seemed like he didn't care. It seemed like he was ignoring, but he actually went there just for her. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation in your life where you have felt ignored in your prayer request, and you felt like God's not listening, he's not caring. Yes, he's answering other people's prayer, but... <laughs> You know, but we have to learn to base our faith upon the Word of God. I don't know why some prayers he answers and some he doesn't. God answers all prayers, but the point is, he doesn't always give us the answer we pray for, right? Sometimes he, he says yes, sometimes he says no, sometimes he says not yet, or whatever. We don't understand, but we have to trust that God does care, he does hear, and he is ultimately working for our best good. Before I get away from ahead of myself, though, let's, let's go on here. This is a quote from Steps to Christ I love. Through sincere prayer, we're brought into connection with the mind of the infinite. We may have no remarkable evidence that the time, at, the time that our, at the time that our face of our Redeemer is bending over us in compassion and love, but this is even so. We may not feel his visible touch, but his hand is upon us in pitying tenderness. He's always there, even when we don't feel it. Good emotion is no evidence that you are a child of God, neither a disturbed, troubled, perplexing feelings and evidence that you are not a child of God. We have to take it by his word. And we have to, we have to persevere. And, you know, as we look at different stories in scriptures, we see examples of that perseverance in prayer, perseverance in holding on, knocking, wrestling, not letting go until we see the answer to these prayers. I had something kind of uh, fun that happened a few years ago when I was working as a nurse and I was volunteering um, with a group in, in Bangladesh. There's a front row seat right up here. <laughs> um, I was doing medical work with a team from Loma Linda University and I met this man named Jacob and he, you know, got my email and all that, and he started to, to contact me and write me. He was a pastor in training at the seminary there in, in um, Dhaka in Bangladesh. And he wrote me, and he said, Melody, when you, when you come back to Bangladesh next year, because he knew I would be back, can you please bring a computer? Because I really need a computer. <laughs> this is a legitimate request. He's a pastor in, in training and all of that. 
Well, at the time, I was already doing a lot of ministry and not making as much money as I used to make when I worked as a travel nurse. And so I was like, I can't, I can't afford to bring you a computer. I mean, I can't even buy myself a new computer right now. Um, but he persisted and he kept writing, you know, Melody, when you come back to Bangladesh, can you please bring me a computer? And when you bring the computer, can you put this program on it and this program on it? And, this <laughs> and I'm just like, what am I going to do? And he keeps writing me. You see the picture here, pray for Melody Mason that he sent me. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, anyway. <laughs> Pull those heartstrings. You, I mean, you're, you're from you're from America. You know, some say the land of milk and money. You have what I need to get a computer. <laughs> and so, and in comparison with with many of these countries, we really, you know, we may have struggles paying our bills, but we don't have any struggles compared with what they do. So I I realized I got to figure out how to get this guy a computer. So I recruited some of my friends. Can you help me raise money to take this guy a computer? And so when I went back to Bangladesh that next year, I had a computer for him. And do you know he's still using that computer? It's actually on its last legs now, and I told him I would help him get a new one um, this next year. But he still, and it's, it, that was back in 2008, I guess it's been over 10 years now, he's used that computer. And, um, but the funny thing was, after I gave him that computer, he wrote me again and he says, Melody, can you help me get a motorcycle? <laughs> I was like, no, I'm not helping you get a motorcycle. You have to figure that out on your own. But the whole point of it, would I have helped him with a computer if he hadn't expressed that faith? I mean, he was just perse persistent and persevering. He knew I could help him. And I think, you know, we're human. This, you know, we don't have the love and the compassion of God. And how much more does he long to fulfill those desires and those compassions, I mean, those needs in our heart? A few years ago, we had a major drought in Arkansas. And it was just super dry. We, our garden was dying and everything was dying. And months, it seemed like, with no rain. And we were praying every day as a family. And just, you know, God hadn't sent rain yet. This one day, though... <laughs> This little young man, he was about eight years old, um, with the family that was living with us at the time. We had this large family that was living with my parents. He was about eight years old, and one of these mornings we're praying, he says, Dear Lord, thank you so much for the rain you're storing up in the clouds to send down upon us. <laughs> and he, he prayed that, and I kind of laughed to myself, and I was like, God, did you hear that prayer? <laughs> the next day, we had the biggest thunderstorm that we had had and not only the, the most amazing thing with a thunderstorm, it went over our farm, and then the wind changed directions, and it came back again. And the farmers around us saw it all happen, and they said, that was like a weird, supernatural storm that we had. And we're like, that was an answer to prayer. <laughs> I mean, God heard those prayers of faith from that child, and he answered. Christ Object Lesson says, there's no danger that the Lord will neglect the prayers of his people. The danger is that in temptation and trial, they will become discouraged and fail to persevere in prayer. So, you know, we need to hold on, especially when you know that you're praying according to the will of God. You know, we don't know that it's God's will that you have this job or this house or whatever. You don't always know. So we're praying, open hands, Lord, we're pleading that you would open the doors and make your will known. But when you are praying for victory for sin, when you are praying for the salvation of loved ones, when you are praying to see the work go forward, to grow in the Christian graces, all these different things, God's Word tells us His will. That's why we need to be in the Word, so we know what the will of God is. 
But when we know that we're praying according to the will of God, you're in a crisis. I mean, there's things going on. Maybe it's with AV over at Doug Bachelor's Adventures for the Kids program or, or something here with Camp Meeting or this. We can pray boldly for God to deliver and, and help in that crisis, and he will. We just have to hold on. Okay, so the first test is, is when God appears silent. The second test is when God appears to have forgotten. And you already know the story, so I'm not going to go into the details. That's the story of Lazarus. And we've all had those experiences where it seems like God showed up late. But in the long run, we will see that it was actually for his glory and our best good that he showed up late. John 11. John 11. You know, we're told um, that despondency may shake the most heroic faith, weaken the most steadfast will, but God understands and he still pities and loves. So nothing is apparently more helpless, yet really more invincible than the soul that feels its nothingness and relies wholly on God. Test number three, when the natural realm seems too powerful. And this often happens when we step out in faith and ministry. We basically, like Peter, we step out of the boat because we feel like God has called us to walk by faith. And then what happens? The waves and the wind and everything come up and the enemy's throwing dust in our faith and he's saying, what did you think you were doing stepping out of the boat? Who do you think you are? And he makes us doubt what God has called us to do. And so don't dig up in doubt, as it's been said. Don't dig up in doubt what you planted in faith. Walk forward and trust God, even when the natural realm seems too powerful. I love this quote from Desire of Ages. Natural impossibilities cannot prevent the work of the omnipotent one. And you know what has helped me? And relating to all these different things again, and I've mentioned this in previous days, but if some of you are here for the first time, it is the power of the Word, praying the promises of Scripture. And basically, for all my prayer requests, I have these cards, but I also now, um, I also now have my prayer request on my phone. And there's a flashcard program called NKO Ventures, N-K-O Ventures. That's the name of the app. I don't know. I, I obviously have an, I have an iPhone, but I think it's for both the Android and the iPhone. Basically, you can download. It's a flashcard program. So N... No, no, no. N. Just three letters. N-K-O. Oh, okay. Yeah. N-K-O, just I'm saying alphabet letters, that's all. It's not a word. N-K-O, N-K-O Ventures. So you can search for it by that name and you will find it. And basically, you're, you're from a distance, but I'll still show you here. So basically, it's a flashcard program that you can download on your phone and there's two sides to the flashcard. So on one side, I put the prayer, and on the other side, I put, my, I put the Bible promises. And so I love this because this, this is good, and I've used this for years with scripture memory and prayer and all, all kinds of stuff, but this is less bulky because I already have it with me. I can read it in the dark when I'm with people. It's not disturbing them, you know, because it's lightened. And so it's just a flashcard program that you can create for yourself you can use this for scripture memory. I use this for other things that I'm trying to learn, um, but I use it for the prayer as well. 
So that's another way. And, and I have all my prayers, what I was starting to say, all the prayers um, that I pray, I'm always trying to back up with the word of God. Because, you know, we can pray our prayers, and that's fine, and he hears those prayers. But when we are praying his words, he says he does not lie. He says his word does not return unto him void, Isaiah 55, 11. He says that his word is forever settled in heaven, Isaiah, I mean, Psalms 119.89. You know, he's given us his promises in his word. And so this is how we can walk in faith and pray confidently in faith because we're just arguing his word. Lord, you said such and such. And there are times we face and times I face situations are, I don't know what to do. And so I'm claiming, you know, from Second Chronicles 20 where we see, you know, the armies that were approaching Jehoshaphat and Israel and, and Jehoshaphat got his people together and they fasted and prayed and they said, Lord, our eyes are upon you. We don't know what to do. But, but he delivered when they praised him and he will do the same for us. So we serve a God whose hand is not shortened. And that's what I really want you to take away um, from this. Uh, test number four, when it seems like God has failed, can you imagine what it was like for, for the disciples? You know, here they had grown to love their master. They had seen him performing all these miracles and all these things. And they thought he was come to deliver and do a new, a new thing in Israel. And then he ends up on the cross. Can you imagine the discouragement? Like, Lord, what happened? This wasn't supposed to happen. How did you end up on the cross? And there are times in our life when we are going to have the same crisis of faith, when it seems like God has failed. God has not failed. He does not fail. But it seems like it in our human perspective. So will we trust God when it seems like he's silent? Test number one. Will we trust God when it seems like he has forgotten us? Test number two. Will we trust God when it seems like the natural realm is too powerful? Test number three. Will, it, will we trust God when it seems like he has failed? I'm going to share just briefly a little bit of my testimony um, in the remaining minutes um, that we have. It, it's been a little hard for me to share this testimony for a couple of things. Um, for one, I make myself a little vulnerable, and it's always hard to be a little vulnerable. Um, but I think that it's helpful as well. And the second reason it's hard to share my, some of my testimony is the fact that I know that we all struggle with different pain and, and painful experiences, and many people have been through a lot of traumatic things in their life. And I haven't, you know. I look at, you know, my struggles with faith and my struggles with God and my own heartache and pain, and I'm like, it's nothing in comparison with what many people deal with. But you know something that I've realized is pain is pain. So, you know, maybe I haven't lost a child in a, in a tragic shooting or this or that or whatever or, or, or you know, been wronged in a, in a messy divorce or something like that. I haven't been through that. But my own little heartbreak has still been, you know, devastating for me. And so with, with that in mind, I share. My parents um, are happily married. I've been married close to 48 years now and have a very loving relationship, and it's been beautiful to watch them over the years and see how God has worked in their lives. And I have watched them, and you know, when you have parents that are happily married and you have a, a good home, it's an inspiration to you. And when we grow up with that, you know, most people don't, unfortunately. And I, I, I recognize that many of you probably have not 
it's difficult to know what does a good home look like and what should it be and all of that. But anyway, my parents are happily married. They, they actually met when they were barely teenagers. I think my dad decided when he was like 14 or something that he was going to marry my mom. <laughs> of course, he didn't marry her then. There were years, you know, that passed. They got married in their early 20s, but they met young and were friends, and basically my mom's only boyfriend was my dad. And so, so I just love their testimony, and I remember growing up as a little girl, um, there were two things that, that I desperately wanted, and one was to be a wife, and the other was to be a mother. And I loved children, and I was always the little girl that loved children. I want to babysit everybody's kids, and... And so that was always my dream. Um, but <laughs> things don't always go according to our dreams. Um, just to give you a brief overview, and I'm not going to go into details, um, there was somebody that I met when I was quite young, um, at, you know, 13, 14 years old. And I remember being interested in some older guys, you know. Uh, but my parents said to me at the time, you know, when you get older, I think this is going to be the person that you want to marry. And at first I kind of thought that was a little, you know, whatever. But as time went on and we grew up, we ended up in the same academy and eventually the same college, I began to think that there's wisdom in what my parents said. And that person became more and more attractive. And so I began just praying and waiting, just praying and waiting. And I had in my mind, this is the person that I'm going to marry someday, you know, well, for one, that's what my parents said. But for an otherwise, I could see, I mean, we were, we were headed the same directions. We were both preparing for the mission field. Um, it was largely because of his influence that I ended up getting involved in nursing. Many, many different things. And as we were going through all those, these different things, you know, he wasn't really in a relationship. I wasn't in a relationship. But we were very good friends. And sometimes he would talk to me and tell me about different girls that he was interested in. And I was always thinking in my mind, well, someday he's going to wake up and realize she's right here <laughs> in front of him. But anyway, time went on. And to make a long story short, he ended up eventually dating a good friend of mine. And um, I remember when they got together, I was, I mean, of course, I was devastated. But at the same time, I was like, oh, why didn't I think of that? Because they would be perfect together. And, and so I was very supportive of their relationship and and they knew that and and when they eventually made the decision to get married um, we were such good friends they even asked me to be in their wedding so here I am a bridesmaid in the wedding of this person that I've known for years I really knew I was gonna marry someday and um, and I could support them with with full confidence whatever but um, the thing that was a real struggle for me, and by the, by the way, I didn't mention this. By the time all this happened and he ended up getting together with someone else, a beautiful, beautiful woman, and, and just very happy together, I had been praying and waiting for him for eight years. So this wasn't just a few you know, months or a year or two of, of childish whatever. I was intensely praying, intensely preparing and fasting and claiming the promises, and basically aligning my life with his because I knew he was the one I was going to spend my life with. So when this went another direction, then I was thinking, 
um, you know, I was able to be supportive of them, but then I ended up graduating from nursing. Um, that was kind of a miracle I succeeded in getting through that program with all of this emotional stuff going on. Went home and started working as a nurse, and basically my life fell apart. And this is why. Because I had built my faith kind of around the fact that this, this person, and this is what God had in mind. And so when it didn't work out as I thought God was leading, I was totally devastated. And I was like, God, how could you allow me to pray and wait for eight years and this isn't the way? I mean, how could you? God, you betrayed me. How could you let me think this? You know, and of course, I'm glossing over my fault and the issues. And, you know, we can't jump ahead from God. We don't know what God is always doing. We can't know it's his will for us to be with so-and-so. We might think it looks good at the time, but... But anyway, so my faith really went through this somersault, and I felt like, you know, I was a very spiritual person through high school and college and all of that, and was even very active in ministries, but now I came to this crisis of faith, and I felt like, how can I pray? If he's going to do what he's going to do anyway, how can I pray? And how can I rely on his word? I mean, the promises. They're, they're not working. They're not true. You know, whatever. And so I go through this crisis of faith. And because of that, I stopped praying. Because of that, I stopped reading the Bible. And you know what's going to happen when you're walking away from your source of strength in life? You're going to begin to spiral down and down and down. And that's basically what happened. <laughs> I ended up in very severe depression. And I'm working as a nurse. Most people didn't realize what I was going through because I still managed to put on a nice front when I was out and about, but then I would go home and I would just cry. And I was angry. I was angry at my family and I was angry at God. And, you know, sometimes I'd break things and I was just, it got so bad that I even started thinking in my head, is there a way that I could end my life without it looking like it was a suicide? And it's like, how can you get to that point? You know, here I've been raised in this beautiful, godly home and faith in Christ and everything. And I just had the rug pulled out from under me, but obviously because my foundation was not in the, I just lost it. And I, you know, I'm ashamed to share this, but this is the reality of the situation that I walked through. And even though this is years ago, I still get tears, you know, thinking, thinking about this and sharing this testimony because it was such a, such a painful time that I walked through. And so I'm struggling. I don't even want to live. And um, basically at rock bottom, and I remember walking outside one day, and it was raining. And um, the rain was coming down. It, was, it wasn't raining hard. It was just, just raining softly. But I felt like, you know, when it's raining, it's kind of like God's crying with you. <laughs> so I'm like, well, at least, at least he's crying with me. So I'm walking, and I'm crying, and whatever. And, and I don't know how much I was praying during this time, but it wasn't much. But I remember looking up at the sky. I had no umbrella or raincoat or anything, and I didn't care. And I'm just like, God, can you still do anything with my life? I just felt totally, you know, here this person who had always had the answers, who had been helping all these different people over the years, now I don't have the answers. And I'm stuck, and I felt like I was between a rock and a hard place because I didn't want to go serve the devil you know, quote unquote, but I didn't feel like I could trust God. And so I'm in this no man's land and it's a miserable place to be. <laughs> you know, when we're in no man's land, we're obviously his territory, not God's territory. But anyway, 
And so I'm just crying and I'm looking at him and I'm like, God, can you still do something? And um, I looked up and, and with that prayer plea, almost immediately the sky above where I was, the clouds just kind of separated and the sun came down on me. And it was just this big, beautiful circle, maybe 50 or so feet around. The sunshine came down in the middle of the rain on me. And I remember looking up and thinking, does that mean yes? <laughs> and I'm crying, and I'm just like, Lord, can you still do something with me? And um, so that was a real turning point. My parents had been telling me for a while, you need to get help. And they were talking about depression recovery program and all of that. And so I ended up starting the depression recovery program. And I began to start over building my walk with God. And I remember getting into the Word again and saying, Lord... I don't know what it looks like. I don't know how to pray as I should, but teach me how to pray. Teach me how to claim your promises. And Lord, I want this true in my life. And I'm crying and weeping. Lord, I want this true in my life. And this is when the journey for daring to ask for more began. It began out of this crisis of faith that I walked through. I don't have this story published in my book. I just have a little sentence that says, after walking through some difficult experiences, I began daring to ask for more. That's the difficult experiences, me coming to the point where I didn't even want to live. So I start daring to ask for more, and God began to grow in me a new experience. And that's where this whole journey um, began, how he brought me out of the wilderness, out of depression, and it was just beautiful. I love the promise, Isaiah 43, 19. I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert, Isaiah 43, 19. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Life is not just about reaching a destination. It's about who he's making us in the journey. You know, God really began to show me that he's my heavenly love. And that whether I have a, a man in my life or a husband in my life or whatever, he ultimately is the only one that can meet my needs. And here I'm looking, you know, for, for somebody to be my knight in shining armor and hero, but that's what God wants to be. And um, that doesn't mean we can't obviously have happy, beautiful marriages and relationships. And I know uh, many people that do, and my parents included, but he wants to be our true love. Okay, I have about five minutes remaining. <laughs> Let's see if I can tell you. You want to hear part two? <laughs> uh, so time goes on. God heals me emotionally, spiritually, and gives me a ministry. Things begin growing with the Bible conferences that we're putting on. And then I met another, another man. And I was thinking, well, now I know why number one didn't work out, because this guy is obviously um, better for me, right? So I'm praying and praying and praying. Fast forward... After another eight years, he meets the woman of his dreams and he marries her. And it wasn't me. But this time, instead of being heartbroken and crushed, I was like, okay, Lord, you know, I was praying for your will to be revealed. I wish it hadn't had to take another eight years, but that's okay. Thank you. And, and so this time, instead of my faith being in a person, it was actually in the word of God. So it was a completely different experience. It was not a heartbreaking experience. I love this quote from Ministry of Healing. In the future life, the mysteries that have annoyed and disappointed us will be made plain. We shall see that our seemingly unanswered prayers and disappointed hopes have been among our greatest blessings. You got it? Yes, sorry, I thought. <laughs> you want to know part three? Yes. 
No, just keep going. No. Okay. Not until he knows. Okay, so um, fast forward a few years, and um, there's another man that comes into my life, and this time there's no guessing. He goes straight to my parents and asks, you can start a relationship with me, and we did start a relationship, and we were together, um, started planning our wedding. I even had a wedding date. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't stay. I was praying. I was praying, Lord, I'm going to marry this man in a few months. If this is not your best for my life, please show us. Make it clear now. We parted as friends, recognizing that that was not God's will for our life. Um, and so I've had a very interesting, <laughs> very interesting story when it comes to relationships. But God has been showing me over the years um, and growing my faith through these situations. And I want to say right now, looking back at these different guys that came through my life, I have no regrets. Looking back now, I am so thankful that I did not marry any one of them. They're all good guys. They're all still friends. We have good rapport between us. But now I see very clearly that it was not God's best. I would not be doing what I'm doing today in ministry. Daring to ask for more would have never been written. Many things would be very different if I had had my way. But I love what God has done. And I just praise the Lord for the opportunity to do what I do. And I had something beautiful happen a couple years ago. Um, I, had, I had been speaking in, in Romania and it seemed like, and I was sharing all my prayer testimonies. And you know, from the other day when I shared my prayer testimonies, I have so many stories and more that I haven't told you. And I'm sharing with these young people, trying to get them excited about prayer. And here they are on their phones. Yeah, well, that's not us, real world, you know. And I'm just like, Lord, how do I connect with these young people? And I was praying. I ended up praying almost all night, Friday night, going into Sabbath. I had three messages to give the next day, and I did not know how to reach these young people. And I was like, Lord, what do I do? And that's when God convicted me. You have been traveling around the world sharing about all the answered prayers and the ways that I'm working in your life. But why don't you share about the last 25 years that I have said no to your prayers? And you've been praying and asking, and I keep saying no and share how I've been faithful through the times and how you're learning to trust me in the middle of the story. You know, I would rather not share this testimony right now because the story is obviously not over. I would rather wait until it's over and I can say, see what God did. <laughs> true love is worth waiting for. <laughs> That'll be in a book someday that I'm going to write. True love is worth waiting for. <laughs> because it's been over 25 years that I have been praying and waiting. And I say that because I started praying um, for my future husband when I was a, a young teenager. And so I've been learning that even in the middle of the story, when we can't see God is faithful. So I, I was at Romania after I shared my testimony the next day. It just broke the hearts. God really worked. It was just beautiful. And then I went to the Philippines, and I shared my testimony there. And this young man came up to me afterwards, and it was so precious. He said, Miss Melody... God said no to you so that he could say yes to us and send you to help us learn how to have a relationship with him. In the whole realm of things, if God says no to our prayer so that his prayer is answered in the lives of others, would it be worth it? It's hard for us because we want such and such to happen. But if God says no and a greater purpose, we have to trust he is able. 
Okay, if you need to run right now, feel free. I have just a few more moments. I'm going to, to bring this uh, to a close, but it is right at 10.30 now. What do we do when God says no? You know, we can't always know what's for our best good. We're erring, we're short-sighted, we think we know, but we need to hold on even when we cannot see. To claim that prayer will always be answered in the very way and for the particular thing we desire is presumption. I'm sorry, I'm getting in way. No. <clears throat> All these presentations, by the way, if you, if you go to Audioverse, audioverse.org, I share this testimony there. In fact, most of the testimonies that I've shared this week you can find on Audioverse. And I'm sharing in a little bit more detail there. I'm a little shorter on time here. But you know, Daniel and his three friends, not Daniel, but Daniel's three friends faced the fiery furnace. And we all have different fiery furnaces in our lives that we're facing. Um, a furnace that we're facing in my family right now is, you know, my mom's battle with lung cancer. I've already shared that. And we praise the Lord she's been making progress. But it's still unknown. We don't know how much longer we have her with us. And now she's starting to get grandchildren. You know, my brother's married and they have children now. And it's just beautiful. But we are all in a fiery furnace of some kind. Daniel's three friends, when they face that fiery furnace, you know, the king says, you know, you, you worship me. You bow down before this image or you're going to go into the fire. And I love what Daniel's three friends said. They said, our God whom we serve is able to deliver. We believe he can deliver us from the fire. But even if he doesn't, we will not bow down. And so I want us to ask ourselves that today. Um, whatever fiery furnace you're facing in your life, um, will you trust God? Even when it seems like he's silent, when it seems like he's forgotten, when it seems like you know the natural realm's too powerful, when it seems like he's failed, we have to come to a point that says, I will trust God. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. And Ellen White writes in Desire of Ages, uh, the future life, um, we will see that the path that he has led us is actually the way that we would want to walk. We would not choose to walk another path if we could look back and see how he's led us. Um, I have that quote on the screen, and I'll, I'm going to have prayer here and close, and then I'll click through those slides if you want to take any more pictures of those quotes, because it's just beautiful, um, the encouragement. So that's just a little glimpse of the testimony but I pray that that's an encouragement to you with whatever you're facing in your life to hold on and trust God. And I, like I said, I talk about that more in Daring to Ask. If you've got a bookmark that has the Bible verse on it, by the way, Jeremiah 33, verse 3, you can come up afterwards and get, get one of my books because I have a few more to give away. So let's bow our heads for prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, um, there's so much more that could be said, but I just pray um, that you have put in the heart of each one here what is needed today and that you will grow our faith and give us strength to hold on even when we don't understand uh, the circumstances in life. And we all have personal pain, heartbreak in different areas. Um, they're different situations, but Father, you are with us even in the pain, and you have a purpose. You say, um, when you've tried us, we shall come forth as gold. And so Father, help us to submit and yield to your hands in the fiery furnace and to trust that you are good and you are working all things together for our good, even when we cannot see, even when we can't understand. Help us to trust you. Thank you, Father, for hearing this prayer in your precious name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit 
www.audioverse.org.